you said that you um, you travel a lot in, in South America. Yeah, I traveled before I went. Mm -hmm. After my high school, I took a gap year and traveled to uh, Ecuador and did my first month of Spanish there. So oh, wow. that was the beginning of me learning mm -hmm. Spanish. And then traveled Ecuador with a friend in Colombia and mm. from there to Panama and then Cuba. So it was a huge trip. It was amazing. Wow. You've seen a lot, right? Yeah. Then? And how long was the trip? The entire trip was eight months. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It was amazing. That's a, that's a good gap year, man. Yeah. That's... yeah. But I, I also hear like a lot of times, I, I wanted to do a gap year, mm -hmm. but in Belgium they always say that when you do a gap year, you, you never want to start studying again. It's like you don't have the the motivation to start again. Have you mm. felt that or? Mm, I think it could be like that for some people. Mm -hmm. I just found my love for traveling and other cultures. Mm. Um, I'd felt that before. That's why I uh, chose to take the gap year and travel that. But mm. then I was just like, oh, this is sick. I want to do this. Um, but I mean, you also come to the realization that when when you're traveling, like that without like doing volunteering or something mm -hmm. everything is very short-lived so you you jump from place to place mm -hmm. and after i don't know after four months i felt like i needed to rest because just four months of new experiences every day new yeah. culture new people you get tired of it like you don't stop loving it but wow. your mind just gets tired of these new experiences mm -hmm. and you just wish for a moment of just settling down for a bit and then mm. chilling and wow. yeah mm. and i think after eight months i just really missed my family mm. and at least mm. i wanted to go back to visit them yeah i think that's <clears throat> i think like the the missing the family part might be because you've had all these different kind of cultures right and yeah. then all these changes after a while you get sick of it and you might be like i miss the old ways and yeah. then then the missing starts maybe yeah. you know Yeah, it's it's like you you just miss the feeling of home. Yeah. And the feeling of home doesn't even have to be like a house or something, but like just being around your friends mm. and not being constantly like not having these new experiences because every time you speak mm. with someone, you have this okay, um I'm telling you something new that you didn't know and you're telling me something new mm. and we're speaking in a different language and whatever. And then when you're with a friend, it's just like you know a lot about each other you're gonna talk about random stuff and it's just mm. gonna be relaxing time for your brain but when i i felt like i i sometimes felt like when traveling that it was a bit stressful because of course you don't want to be alone but you mm. but it's hard to make new friends in a new place so mm. un, unless you're staying somewhere in a lot for a longer time and you have these connections mm. that you can build up for a longer time yeah you're gonna have trouble because you get in new groups you have to watch how, what mm. what are the group dynamics and yeah how do i fit into this all and yeah and if you're always traveling traveling you're never like fitting in right you're never yeah. part of a group that's also i met this guy in panama and he said he had backpacked a lot before and um one day he just decided to uh keep traveling so he sold everything he had mm -hmm. um and he was working at the hostel i was staying at and he said yeah i'm working it's not a lot of money but it keeps me going traveling and i was at the point where i was like okay 
I would need a break. So that was like, I was like, okay, wait, how does this guy decide to do that forever? Mm. Yeah, But wow. it's also a bit different because he's staying in one place. He's building a relationship maybe with the boss, mm. with other volunteers there. Yeah. So I think it, you need to compare different ways of traveling. Some people yeah. like going to hotels, spending a year in just in hotels mm. would be quite boring for me. Yeah, of course. But then spending a year working in different voluntary activities, mm. getting new experiences, that sounds awesome. So mm. I think it really depends on what you make of it. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah, I, I I always feel like I haven't done like the the traveling for a long time thing because I'm still studying, but I feel like it's not realistic, right? Yeah. I've always been thinking like I don't want to most people that I met that I meet and met here, it's for them it's like a temporary escape traveling, right? And I don't want that to be the case for me. I want it to be like my actual life. And then like you say, you, you have to spend some time at one place before you move on, right? Yeah. It's It has to be. It's. Yeah, you know. also it, I, I really think it depends on what your personal goals are because yeah. these people, I feel like their goal is just to experience as, as much of the world, as much of the culture and mm. whatever as possible. Um, in in whatever time they have. Yeah. But then I was like, if you're honest to yourself, then how much time do you actually spend at that hostel just working? And you're, you're, you're at a hostel. And for example, this hostel, it was like in an American style city. So not really walkable. You couldn't mm. go anywhere without a car. So it's not like he's in the middle of Cusco or mm. the middle of Rome or whatever city yeah. that might have a lot of culture and a lot of mm. stuff to experience. He's somewhere in Panama and he's working for that hospital, uh, host, hostel, spending a lot of time working there. How much of that time is he actually spending with locals, mm. experiencing nature, culture and whatever? Mm. And what if I spent my time working like a job permanently somewhere and then maybe I have the same amount of time experiencing mm. the same thing. Of course, it's different because yeah. he's living there. Maybe that's his dream. But for me, it's like if you're being honest about it, how much actual time do you mm. spend with these things? Because I'm pretty sure you couldn't handle spending 24-7 just mm. going on tourist trips, uh, hikes, treks, yeah. uh, doing the cool stuff you yeah. want to do in two weeks of vacation. A lot of people say like, If I have all the money in the world, I would just travel. I would just travel. But after a while, you, you like you'd kill yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what do you think that you're traveling for? What are me, your reasons? Well, my primary reason is to learn Spanish on this trip. Mm. And But in general, like why did you travel all over South, South America? Um, I think I think that today to distinguish yourself from other people also in the workplace you need to have different experiences and the thing going to high school then doing university and then working and staying in the same place forever mm. that's very common but if you're if you're in a job that a lot of people in the world can do for example i'm in the field of computer science so i have to uh be better or different or something has to distinguish me from 
millions of others who mm. can do the same thing from anywhere in the world remotely. Mm. And what is that? And that that is not that I was the first to finish my studies at 21. That is not that I lived my entire life in Munich or in Bavaria. Mm. That's not going to distinguish me from anyone. Mm -hmm. But actually gaining gaining experiences develops you in a way abroad develops you in a way that you actually think differently that you can actually mm. solve problems differently that's so true yeah and just having this experience i mean the companies value that they see okay this guy has been traveling this guy has been studying languages abroad over if if you're finishing even if you're finishing a couple of years late The guy might have three years more work experience. That's important for some jobs. Mm -hmm. But he will reach the point where he will encounter difficulties or problems that he cannot solve just because he's always been in his comfort zone. Yeah. And then you will be the one who can say... Comfort zone, that's a good word, yeah. Yeah, you will yeah. be the one that, that can say, okay, um, I had this time where I crossed the border illegally and was in the country illegal for a day and I was like fuck what's going on and then <laughs> yeah. I rushed to the border and got my uh, got my stamp but during that time I mm -hmm. felt like I was gonna die any minute and then oh. like when you get a when someone gives you something that you think you can't do you're just gonna be like yeah but like I've experienced stuff that yeah. was way worse or Yeah, this is talk, talk about what you just said, like the, the illegal part. <laughs> oh, yeah, what that happened was, there? That, that was stupid. Um, so we were in Ecuador, mm -hmm. and before I had only traveled to countries in Europe um, within the EU, for example, by car. And whenever there was a checkpoint, they would check your passport, or by train, they would ask you. Uh, give me your passport and they would check and then the borders uh, to Croatia and everything mm -hmm. got opened and now you can travel freely Yeah. and then when I traveled to countries where you needed a visa for example the US I got the visa before and then I went there and I don't think they give, gave me a stamp but everything was cleared so for me it was like if I cross borders someone's gonna ask me I don't have to worry about that Yeah, yeah. but That's... the thing was we went to Colombia On, uh, on the Amazon side, like we went deep, deep mm -hmm. into the uh, into the east of the country, and there was a way to go over to Colombia, over a bridge, Puente Internacional, <laughs> and that was like one of the two bridges that mm -hmm. you can cross where they have checkpoints and stuff, mm -hmm. and we decided to do that because it was on our way and it was we we saved like eight to ten hours. Oh, yeah. um, so we decided to do that but they told us yeah it's dangerous like in the south of Colombia there, there, there's the narcos they produce cocaine oh, um, yeah. so make sure you're not there after dark so we got up really early we got a taxi to bring us to the bridge mm. and there was military at the bridge on the Ecuadorian side and they just waved us through so we were like okay this seems very dangerous we need to get the fuck out of here so we, we walked <laughs> across the bridge yeah. there was no one on the other side there was like a checkpoint with two uh -huh. military guys And we were like, okay, what do we But do now? The bridge was like the, if you cross a bridge, you were in, in the country. Yeah, you were in the country. In the other country. Okay. Yeah, it just, it was like a sign, Colombia, Ecuador. We were like, oh, oh cool, wow. we took photos. And then <laughs> <laughs> now we're in Colombia. Just cool, touristy. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there was, there was no other tourist in us. Everybody looked at us like, what are 
these two doing here because nobody ever crosses that bridge there because the city in Ecuador, that's a very dangerous place. They told us not to stay there. They said, don't stay in that part of Colombia. Um, And then we were just like, okay, we need to take a taxi and get the fuck out of here. So we went to the bus and the guy was like, oh yeah, yeah, quick, quick, before it gets dark. And we were scared because if the bus broke down, we were in the middle of nowhere. There were oh, like, yeah. there were actual people, like a bus of people was abducted the month before oh, and they hadn't returned. And we were like, okay, we, re- we really need to make sure we, we get wow. to the place. So then we got to the place we wanted to go at night, mm-hmm. um, which was safe. It was hundreds of kilometers away. Um, we took a taxi to the... Um, to the hostel, but we realized on the way that, like, fuck, we don't have any stamps. Like, mm. are we here illegally now? And what year was that exactly? 2018. Yeah, because these days you don't need a stamp anymore. But I think at that period... But they still need had... to register you. Yeah, yeah, you need to register, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, we went to the hostel. There was, like, a, I think an Australian guy running the hostel. And we told him, and he was like, oh, man, fuck. That's, that's really shitty. That's really stupid. Okay, talk to you in the morning. And then we talked in the morning. He called the, um, the I don't know, the government instance, the Migración Colombia, Migration uh-huh. Office. And then the woman told him, like, yeah, um, don't, don't tell anyone. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone. But, like, what you just told me, I, sh- I w- would have to send the border police and take them to prison because you're oh, they're illegal I- illegal immigrants in the country <laughs> and then we were like okay shit. but it's their own fault in a way right i mean it's, they want to they, they have to make sure that you get your stamp if you cross yeah, the border the thing is i think in the border area between ecuador and colombia it's really people cross the border to work to do whatever it's like it's not really that important to check visas and everything, but mm. it's just not that anyone crosses the border with the intent to go deep into the country. It's like just workers and selling stuff. And it's like, you know, how in some parts of these South American countries, like laws don't really apply as much as in mm. other parts in the major cities. So they, I don't think they give out stamps there, to be honest, because there was no checkpoint at all. So they don't give them out at all. But how do I explain that with my broken Spanish and mm. like the guy in the middle of the country doesn't give a shit where I entered and whether there was mm. a checkpoint or not, it's probably yeah. my own fault. They don't care about you. you know? <laughs> it's just about the rules. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So the next day we were mm. like, okay, we're going to leave our stuff here. And, or did we leave our stuff? No, I think we took our stuff, all of it with us because mm-hmm. we spent two days there because uh, we had paid for the hostel and we needed a plan to do this safely without going to prison. So we spent two days there illegally, um, just visiting all the beautiful sites. That was really cool. And um, But still, yeah, like you, you should have had like in the back of your head, like, damn, yeah. I'm visiting it as a, a legal guy the entire that time, to prison. The entire time we were so ah, scared of, yeah. so scared of police. So police, we, oh shit. Yeah, we were oh, so scared fuck. of that. But it was, luckily, it was like a small town. It was a traditional town. Um, and they had these statues that were created by some, uh, some I think, indigenous people mm-hmm. hundreds of years before. And it was really impressive, these statues. Um, but there were no police around. It was, it was chill. 
And then we took a bus and they asked us, do you want to take the long route or the short route? Because there's like two, two major roads going up from Ecuador to Colombia. We took the one to the, we uh, to the, uh, to the east. Mm. And there's one to the west that's like the big route. And we needed to cross from the eastern route to the western route to get to the western checkpoint. Mm -hmm. um, so they said either you go all the way up on the east route, take a highway and then go down the west route. Or you just go like over dirt two hours. You're going to be so shaken up and have a headache, but it's only going to take two hours instead of 10. So we said, okay, we're going to take that. And it was really the the bumpiest road I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that the car made it because it was... she. It was just rocks. We just went two hours straight over rocks. Oh, fuck. Um, and then wow. we were like, okay, we got the hardest part done. But then that wasn't the hardest part at oh, all. Shit. Because the the Western route is actually the route the Venezuelans use to go to, to the south. Mm. So the Venezuelans go to Colombia. But Colombia is very saturated. And there's already, like, I, I think, I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but they have... I think they have like 30 million uh, inhabitants and like 9 million uh, Venezuelan immigrants. So you have to imagine mm. like one fourth of the country just being immigrants that need help yeah. and don't have a job and are not there legally. And yeah, so everyone who can goes more south to mm -hmm. Ecuador, to Peru, Chile, um, and they take that Western road. So it was the illegal immigrants, us, And the Venezuelans. <laughs> <laughs> and th they were checking every passport on every bus because they didn't want illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, we're going to put the passports in our backpacks and we're going to throw them in the back of the bus yeah. and hope that they are just happy that we're white because that's our privilege. Yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> we, we went on the first bus and they... They had dogs, search dogs and everything. They came on the bus and asked us for our passports. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what to say. I was just like, oh, lo siento, they're, they're, in, the, <laughs> they're in the backpack. <laughs> and then you just, you just have to test your luck and yeah. uh, be happy oh. that they're sometimes like how really high, lazy. How high was your level of stress at that moment? Um, compared to other levels it was, that you had in your life it was very high but the guy was like he was just like uh, 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 okay just looking around and uh, yeah so I was like okay this guy he doesn't want to stop the bus get 20 people mad at him search our backpacks uh, mm -hmm. wait for us until we find the passports just to show him the stamp and of, of course we're here legally man we're white so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's that, not a normal thing right to be an illegal white person exactly I mean we could use all the privilege we had and all the yeah. like everyone there was just seeing money in us like obviously because mm -hmm. traveling to these countries white people that don't speak Spanish it's just gonna be for fun If they had checked your passport and asked, had asked for money, would you have paid it? Asked for money? Like, a to bribe? let you through. To let me through? To yeah. the border? Of course, man, bro. What Do you know what Colombian prisons are like? Like, I don't support <laughs> corruption, but if it means yeah. I get, I either die in Colombian prison <laughs> or, or yeah. I pay yeah. someone Good and, point. Yeah. and wow. uh, help corruption a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... 
the guy went, he didn't really care. He was like, oh, okay, he was too lazy to check. Um, so that was our great luck. And then we went and the bus ride started. It was like eight hours. And then halfway, I was really stressed out. Halfway, a military convoy stopped the car um, and they checked everything. And the guy had like a device with him where he could actually check with the national registry whether the people, the passport numbers were real oh. and whether the people were in the system. How did you? And then, bro, that was, that was the highest stress level I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Right then and there, I thought it was over. Oh, shit. Yeah. And the guy went from the back to the fourth and mm. then he came closer. It was like row by row, he came closer. And I was like, I, <laughs> you're I, on the point of like jumping through the window, <laughs> like getting the fuck out of there, right? Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write something down on my phone. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna pretend I'm just a fucking idiot, a German idiot, uh, who doesn't speak Spanish and he's yeah. sorry. And I'm just gonna hope he's a lazy fuck, but I'm, I don't think so. This mm -hmm. guy looks serious. He was in full military uniform and he, he didn't fuck around. So I jotted something down in the notes app on my phone, yeah. um, like my passport number, how I remembered it, but like with the wrong number, I made sure of that. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I was uh -huh. like, okay, I can pretend that it's the wrong number and they won't find uh -huh. it. And I can... You really had thought it through, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was four hours in that bus stressed out of my mind. Oh so, my and, then, and, then and then I wrote down... I don't know, a little excuse or something. And then the guy comes to us and I'm like trying to explain to him that the passports are in the backpacks. So I'm like, oh, sorry, our passport's in the backpacks. And he's like, oh yeah, no worries. I can check on this device. And I was like, fuck, oh. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, yeah. what are we gonna do now? So I try to like letter by letter, letter by letter tell him our number our numbers and my friend, he, d he didn't really speak any Spanish and he was sitting on the window side and I think he was stressed out as well, but I was the one with the better Spanish. So yeah, I was the one responsible in that moment. And then I slowly, and then I gave him the wrong number and I was like, Oh, sorry. And like, I don't know, it took like five minutes until he had put it in. And then in that moment, his phone rang and then what? he talked on the phone and then he ran to the, ran to the door and jumped out and then someone hit like the bus and the bus kept on driving and it was like in Are a fucking you? movie it was really what? like in a fucking movie they got a call for something probably mm. some other bus or whatever and then the guy was just like oh well these germans they're just stupid and i gotta take this call and it was like it was like this close Damn. to to going to Colombian like, prison so for me, if I had been through something like that, I think I would have started like going to church like every Sunday. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? You know, the Ow. funniest thing was we get to the border, right? We get there at night. Um, so we go to a random hotel, um, check in, get a room. First mm -hmm. thing in the morning, we, we want to cross the bridge to the other side and we're like, okay, we're, we're just trying to cross the bridge. We're trying to get stamps in the passport. If anyone says something right now, we're going to say, oh, sorry, should we have gotten a stamp over there first? So we yeah. weren't as worried. But then we just, I was just like, okay, let's just confidently walk over that bridge. 
Like we just got our stamps, but yeah. everybody realized we just hadn't gotten stamps in Colombia because there was a huge line and uh-huh. we obviously didn't come from the office. So everybody was shouting at us from the Colombian side. No, 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 you have to get stamped. You're entering illegally. And we were just like, we didn't stop. We just went over the bridge because we were like, we know what you don't know that we just, yeah. we're coming from the illegal side. <laughs> we have to get legal first. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And once we were on the Ecuadorian yeah. side, we were like, Fucking hell, finally. And wow. that was such a relief. And then we went back so, to Colombia. <laughs> so you never had a stamp? No, we never had a stamp. We went to Ecuador, then they checked us into the system. Then we went to Colombia, they checked us into the system and we went. But we needed wow. to be in the system. What the hell? Man? Yeah, and it's just so stupid because they could have done that at the at the other checkpoint. But we we were just at that checkpoint. We were just... The only thing we were thinking was like, there's this bus of people that was abducted uh, last month. And we don't want to be abducted. So yeah. we have to get the fuck out of here before it gets dark. That was the only thing we were thinking. And then when we were in safety, we really we realized, oh, we forgot something. Yeah, yeah. That, that was quite important, actually. Wow. Yeah. Damn. That was so intense. What a story, man. <laughs> and it cost us like three days. That was so shitty. But oh, I mean, man. I can't imagine Colombian prison. So Yeah, man, that's... <laughs> you you would have immediately like been checked because yeah. of because you're white, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you you would think I would have learned out of that. Yeah. But then I actually <laughs> accidentally also went illegally to Australia. <laughs> but that's different, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's different. You won't get checked. Yeah, that or just something. ruins you financially. You're not gonna get murdered. Yeah, you just fucked. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, at what period did you um, meet your girlfriend? Oh, that was last year after the pandemic or I don't know. After After the pandemic. Yeah, after like the lockdown ended and Mm -hmm. we were free to visit friends again and all that stuff. So I think June, actually. That's when you met her. Yeah. Yeah. You, You went on a trip to... <clears throat> no, 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 no. <laughs> so she's from Mexico, but she was an au pair in Germany for a year, the last year. Ah, yeah. So um, I went to a friend's flat to have a party, mm-hmm. and they share, like, I think four rooms or something, four people, four rooms, and two of them are Mexican. And my girlfriend had met one of them at like an au pair meeting or just like they have this, these WhatsApp group chats for Spanish speaking people in Munich. Mm-hmm. And they met in the English garden, they exchanged numbers and she invited her over to come to the party as well. And my girlfriend, it was pouring and my girlfriend almost decided, decided not to come, but then she came and we got really drunk and we danced a lot. That was awesome. Yeah. And yeah, just awesome after this horrible one and a half years of not having any parties and such and then just dancing the entire night until five like it's a club that was awesome (laughs) it's like i went last weekend i went on a trip and i like visited machu picchu and when i when i finished that i sat there with my girlfriend and i was like damn did you realize like one or two years ago we were like sitting all day in our room yeah that's that's crazy right that realization is just Fuck, man. Like, the the gratitude that I had at that moment, it was crazy. 
But you were together with your girlfriend throughout the pandemic? or I after? was together with her during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. um, it started around March, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, I started texting her um, because we're, we're doing the same course. Mm -hmm. And I started like texting her and then we had a, a date like in May. But like it was the absolute pinnacle of lockdown, right? You couldn't do anything. So basically what we did was just go on walks. Yeah. That's what we did like yeah. the first two, three <laughs> days. That's all we did. Yeah. So it was so weird for me, like having a girlfriend during pandemic and then afterwards that the adaption to that is so weird. Like the adaption to the life after pandemic? Yeah. Like <laughs> how how do I have a girlfriend without like having you know and it's it's like you only you're only with her yeah when man. you see her yeah and then afterwards it's like you have all these different friends that you still have to meet like i hadn't met her friends yet and we were like maybe like half a year together like mm -hmm. only your best friends but yeah it was so weird <laughs> but yeah it went pretty smooth after that of course yeah but yeah and how was the pandemic for you like It's, of course, it was pretty bad, right? Mm -hmm. But how did it affect you? In what way? Um, well, it affected me deeply. Mm -hmm. um, like the first few months, I just kept on going. I lived with my parents throughout the first lockdown because my roommate also went to his parents. And mm -hmm. um, afterwards, there was summer. It was a bit open. Yeah. Um, that was pretty good, but then came winter and then shit started. Basically everything came crashing down because I had, I had a small project with a couple of friends in the, uh, in the summer break and I'd really gotten into that. And then when I realized like, okay, I have to do uni, but there's not going to be presence uni and it's not going to change anything anytime soon. Mm -hmm. That was when everything got really bad and Yeah, it was a mix of a lot of things, but mm -hmm. mostly it was just like, I don't know the English word, solidat. <laughs> like just the loneliness, be, yeah. the separation. Yeah, maybe. the loneliness, because I needed to be in Munich. My uh, All my uni stuff was in Munich. My mm -hmm. computer work computer was in Munich. I needed to uh, do some 3D stuff for the mechanical engineering st uh, course. Um, but my friend was uh, often with his girlfriend and sometimes the flat was uh, empty for weeks mm -hmm. and I had days where I didn't speak to anyone and it was like you're in the middle of a city, there's so many people around, but the, the world has created this artificial situation mm -hmm. where you're lonely even though there's millions of people around you. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. And but it... It's not really artificial, right? Because the pandemic and the, the virus was, was real, right? Yeah, the virus was definitely real. I mean, there's you can't discuss that. But mm. the situation of what that was created in Bavaria, that was very different from the rest of the world. Um, and basically, I just felt alone in this whole situation. And I had mm. met a lot of people in uni that I liked and that I conversed with. with but the thing is... I was older when I started because of my gap year. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I had met people who had already done some other courses. So they were actually not in the same courses as me. I did mm. only a few courses that I had actually knew someone in. So my my entire social circle was gone immediately. <clears throat> and yeah, wow. everything came crashing down. And then um, one day, um, I remember I went down to the train and... <clears throat> I mean, I had suicidal thoughts before, but mm -hmm. at that point I saw the train coming in and I stood pretty close to the edge. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it really doesn't make an inch of difference whether I take three steps now or not. And wow. I felt like that was so and, real to me. And how long were you in lockdown at that moment? Like approximately. <clears throat> How long were you like it was separated like, and four weeks, I think. Four weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um Yeah, but like yeah. And there's no support. That's the thing, right? You're there having all these stupid thoughts and there's no one that can help you. The thing was that like in the first week of uni when it restarted, I realized in what a shitty state I was. Mm -hmm. Um and I actually called the student help hotline for mental problems mm -hmm. um but they were completely overwhelmed mm. and i told them you have these problems and he the guy was like oh he talked to me for like five to ten minutes just told me i was overwhelmed and the thing is with mental health as long as you're not explicitly stating that you have suicidal thoughts you're in the back seat you're you're very far from being interesting to anyone who might want to help you yeah so of course they tend to people that uh that have can can say okay i have suicidal thoughts at this moment because it's dangerous to them yeah but i've had the experience before i had contacted something like that when i was a teenager mm -hmm. and the moment you state you don't have suicidal thoughts they're like okay you need they keep going it's like okay it's not a matter to us yeah but i think that's horrible because yeah of course the the thing is you how many suicides are there that could have been stopped if you had given attention to that part before they had suicidal thoughts because i'm not a mental health expert but mm -hmm. i've worked in the medical field as a paramedic and there i've we have had people that have suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. they call in and they say i need help now i have suicidal thoughts and there's a stark difference between that person and me because i had the suicidal mm -hmm. thought in a situation where i could have either done it or not done it mm -hmm. and there was no i either do it or don't do it or a situation where i call someone where i call uh, 911 and ask for help That was not one of the options. Mm -hmm. So these people that ask for help, they're very lucky because they're able to um, and they receive the help. But there's so many people who are who have suicidal thoughts, but getting help is just not in the spectrum. But the, the big issue about that is, of course, there are a lot of people, that, especially during the lockdown, right? That's so that that the same things as you had, right? Yeah. But there were just not enough people to help there were not enough Definitely. psychologists psychiatrists even now after the lockdown i <clears throat> i heard in belgium at least that there aren't enough that uh, that the list is so long yeah and 
I don't know how it is in other countries, but like, it's not. Uh, they don't pay it back as well. So if you if you don't have enough money, you you can't even do it. Yeah, that's also a big issue. I think it's huge. That there is not an, there are not enough people to to help people with mental health problems. Yeah, and it's not supported by the government. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a huge issue. Mm-hmm. But I, but I also think a huge issue is that the entire politics during that pandemic was focused on saving. At that moment, we didn't have a mutation, so you always have to place things in the concept of uh, in the context of mutation because you can mm. look at statistics from the alpha variant and say oh it wasn't that deadly but then you have the delta variant where 30 year olds die and then you have a different situation so i'm talking about the situation where we had the alpha variant and it wasn't deadly to anyone below 70 really um only people with preconditions um mm. so you had the politics to save those people from death that was like the status quo we want those people not to die Mm. but we also want our economy to thrive or at least not just collapse Mm -hmm. um and then there's also students but we don't give a shit about them because they neither contribute to the economy nor are they uh are they um gonna die because of the virus because they're young and healthy Mm. but what they didn't realize is that they created a different disease through that and it's a man- mental health pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you, there, there's enough newspaper articles about it. Just course, if you Google yeah. the keywords that this generation, in this generation, there's a lot of people that are damaged and need help because of how, how politics was. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is from the point on where I had these thoughts, I got help and that was the best thing I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, through hard work, I got out of there. But I was also interested in, am I the only one in this situation? And of course I wasn't, mm-hmm. but there were no statistics. There was, there were, there were no demonstrations. And that's also a thing I've had. Mm-hmm. I've had these, uh, I've had such a big fight with my family because I, I always said I'm against the rules, but I won't go on the street because a the people that are against the rules and are on the street they don't believe in covid and i that's not a thing to believe in or don't believe in that's science it exists we know that and that's not i don't discuss that then there are nazis marching with them um that just take the chance to demonstrate against the government and also they're not wearing masks and they're actually infecting each other at that at that time, at that time, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not doing that." But mm-hmm. I, I wanted to somehow get the word out there, like talk about this issue. So mm-hmm. I wrote emails uh, to the president uh, of the university and to our educational minister and whatever. Nobody gave a shit. They even gave me in writing that they don't give a shit. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, How did they phrase it? So they had someone, uh, uh, one in the lower ranks uh, at the ministry tell me basically, because I was asking for help for the students and for um, 
another semester where ECTS don't count because that would take so much pressure off the students. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I asked for that and they said, uh, oh, it's basically not our, that's not our problem. our problem or basically we can't do anything about that because that's what the universities do. And the university didn't even bother to answer. Mm. Um, and then two weeks later, um, they posed for the newspaper for the front page um, the president of the university and the uh, minister of education and science. Um, the minister of education had made the decision to uh, stop the EC ECTS point counting for students. Hmm. And I was like, wait, but I have a letter that says he doesn't give a shit. Like, what's the change? What's the change between those Public two opinion, weeks? Public opinion, right? Public opinion, yeah. Probably yeah, he realized that none of the students would make it through that semester in this in this state mm. that uni the unis were in without mm. having proper teaching if you share that on social media it would have blown up i think it might have or they yeah. might have like closed it down i don't know yeah it's sad to end on such a negative note but um we have to finish off i think yeah it was very interesting Very uh, fun stories, man. Yeah, it was really good deep talk. Pleasure, yeah, pleasure <laughs> to have met you, man. Yeah, man. And Me had to talk. Nice. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. <laughs>